Red Pandas Digital is now a 15-person, seven-figure marketing agency, but it wasn't always this way. In this episode, I chat to Moby about how he traded Red Pandas, the lessons learned along the way, and what he would do if he had to start all over again. All that and a whole lot more in this episode of Inbound Buzz. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, your weekly jolt of all things digital and inbound marketing. Brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas, Moby Sadiq. So welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, episode 112. My name is Tony Cow, and I'm joined by Moby Sadiq. How's it going, Moby? Good, Tony. How you going, my man? You're yeah, right? good. You've been a bit busy this week. Started. Yes, we've been really, really busy. Some really exciting developments. Um, you know, things where you know we'll be sharing with everyone along the way. A lot of content coming out. But um, yeah, all good things, man. Yeah, good things. I'm excited, Moby. Very excited. So, uh, Tony, what's making news this week, man? Um, exciting. Um, something about YouTube. So, what I found out this week was YouTube's keyword research tool that is rolling out for everyone, but only Moby, only for the US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and India. And what's interesting about that is. Um, so, what is it? Like, what is this YouTube research okay. tool? Because I haven't heard anything about this. This is really cool. What, what will it allow us to do? Yep. So, do you know Google's keyword planner, where we are allowed to know about data on um, search volumes? Well, YouTube's allowing us to see that data now, uh, Moby, and that helps us to create better irrelevant, um, relevant content for, you know, like um, the viewers and the audience. What that means is originally, you know, people were creating content and they didn't know what to create. Now YouTube um, you know, allows you to see that data and what relevant content to create. What makes it better is, you know, for local businesses that don't know what to create, they can go search and see what their viewers are searching for on YouTube and you know, what, what and your content to create. So it's pretty interesting, especially when you're making videos and content creators, it really helps. And what they've allowed for is content, uh, something called content gap. So if you're searching for, you know, like digital marketing and let's say there's high you know, volumes of searches, but there's not um, many results, that's a content gap. So that's YouTube telling you create content for that relevant search. So it helps, you know, businesses create relevant content. Right. So it's like doing SEO for YouTube. Um, yeah, in a way, but it's, you know, just we're able to get the insight and the data. Yeah, yeah. So rather than advertising sort of, as well. Oh, I don't know if people are searching for this. It's like keyword research for YouTube. So you can focus on things that people, you know, people are searching for and help include that in your content strategy. Yep. And it's also like paid ads as well on YouTube, um, Moby. So let's say you're doing keyword targeting, you can add it in and target it, you know, those keywords. So it helps, you know. Awesome. Cool. Yep. What else is making news? Uh, TikTok introduces, TikTok sorry, again. TikTok introduces TikTok Pulse. TikTok again, right. Yeah, TikTok. It's the big thing right now, Moby, you know, millions, billions of your know, views. Uh, well, what's it? It's it's interesting for businesses because now you can businesses can show their uh, brand in the top four percent of um you know, the highest videos viewed on TikTok. So it's interesting. So something that's gone viral uh, within you know like that community. So uh, TikTok is actually categorizing into twelve uh, different categories. Some of it is like fashion, cooking, you know, uh, beauty and health, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, health and stuff like that. And brands can allow to advertise and put, you know, position their brands next to those high content. But what's interesting is, you know, some brands might be thinking, oh, like, 
you know, what's the uh, brand um, safety? And there's a filter for that. So, you know, brands can position their videos right next to, you know, like video content that's, you know, safe. Right. Or, so you can now target the top 4% of videos yeah. in a number of categories, but you want, you don't want to see, you know, your brand on, you know, maybe some teen like oh yeah shaking her ass some dude swearing or something so yeah, like you know this your brand, brand doesn't have that yeah okay that's awesome okay and that's it for your news buzz for our next uh segment feature buzz we're going to talk about how uh moby started red pandas and this is interesting because like i'm actually excited about this it's um a few people have talked about it in the group uh so in the team but like i um, just want to let you know red pandas i joined and it's been an amazing experience. You know, you know, it's a great team, great culture. And it's interesting to for Moby to to share his knowledge, his experience, the difficulties. So, Moby, my first question is, when did it all begin? Yeah, so I, uh, like a lot of things, it was born out of frustration. So I used to work in corporate marketing. I probably worked in corporate marketing for about 10 years. And I just really wasn't feeling challenged. I felt like I was blocked. I felt like people saw marketing as a cost center where I was and not a profit center. And I just wasn't being challenged. And the other thing uh, that I found as well that um, we used to work with agencies, creative agencies. And I'm like one of those people like, I need to know how things work. So we'd work with these agencies. I'm like, I can do that. I can do that. Like why are we using agencies, right? I need to learn the totality of marketing and, and, and digital marketing. And then I realized they're sort of niches. So it actually wasn't my first business. My first business was selling courses, digital marketing courses. And not that it wasn't, not that it was a bad business, actually it was a pretty good business. I got into selling courses before <laughs> a lot of people did, but I didn't know how to scale it. I didn't know what to do with it. It was just me. I didn't know how to make money out of it. So I learned a lot from that. And then, uh, you know, Red Pandas was eventually born. Okay, interesting. So my next question on top of that is like, how did you go from like a side hustle to like a full-time, you know, like gig, like a role, you know? Yeah, so I worked full-time somewhere and, you know, like I said before, I wasn't feeling very challenged where I was. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I need to find a role where I can not work. Now, maybe now it's a bit easier, but, you know, you know, back then it was harder to find uh, flexible roles in marketing. Everyone wants you full-time. Marketing is a very heavy role. So I became a contractor and I started four days a week. And then I'd work on, I, my Saturdays were gone. You know, I told my wife for, for two years, listen, Saturdays are out. I don't need to feel that pressure. I don't need to feel that dad guilt. I'm working on Saturdays and that extra day in the week. And then I'd wake up four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, work until nine o'clock, go to my day job, come home, be with my family. And I did that for a time. Then I went down to three days once my business started picking up. Then I went down to two days. And what you'll happen is when you start a side hustle, you'll feel this friction where the side hustle and your day job, there's a bit of friction there and you've got to pick something. And of course, that's when you go into your you know, side hustle. That's when you turn it into a full-time thing. So it took me two years to do that. It took me two, two full years to transition from a side hustle to a full-time thing and then within Within the first couple of months, we made our first hire, which was Tasha, and she's still with the company today as a senior leadership. And um, yeah, that was the path that we took. Yeah, right. So as you're stepping down your commitment to a contractor and you're growing the business, like how, how did you grow? Like what was the strategy? What was the marketing strategy? What, what did you do? Like, So I need to preface this by saying you need to focus on your own strengths. Right. I love, I've always loved being on stage. I've loved talking. I loved communicating. As a kid, I used to get up on 
dinner top tables and dance when music was on. That's the way I was built. My brother is not like that. He's very technical, right? My brother, he might build a tool or a website or something and use that. So you need to focus on your strengths. So for me, it was communication. So one key thing that I did was anyone who would want me to talk, uh, anyone anyone that had any event, I'd put my hand up and say, look, I want to talk, I want to talk, I want to talk, I want to talk about marketing, I want to talk about marketing. Um, actually, that's how I started my first, my other business because even when I was working corporate, and this is a thing like, you don't necessarily have to have a side hustle. You can have a side passion as well. I wanted to talk and no one wanted to hear me talk because like, who's this guy? Yeah. So I'm like, well, stuff that I'll create my own events. So I started selling courses and then people paid to hear me talk, Right. you know? So for me, it was like just trying to speak everywhere that I could. And one, one thing that people don't realize is uh, Inbound Buzz started in 2016. So for two, three, four years, I did it religiously, right? And I did the podcast that helped my communication skills. I did a lot of speaking. And the other key thing that I did to help grow Red Pandas is you need to understand, you need to find someone who has access to your audience, right? Partnerships. So Red Pandas is a diamond HubSpot partner today. And I realized that the clients that use HubSpot, which is a software, they're the clients that I want to use for my services. So latching onto them and being very, very good, the best that we could be on HubSpot. So then, you know, we can leverage off their database and leverage off, off their consumers and customers was really key. And that's the, probably the key things that we did to grow Interesting. So things are going well, you know, you're growing and you're growing, but like we know in business, there's always, you know, mistakes and you know, challenges. What mistakes did you make along the way? So I think one thing is, you know, everyone thinks that when you start a business, we've seen too many movies. We're like, yeah, I'm going to be with my friends and we're going to have our own little wolf pack or like, you know, band of sisters or whatever it is. Like, you know, if you're a guy or a gal or both and it's going to be like friends and it's going to be amazing. It's really freaking lonely. Like starting your own business is really freaking lonely. So one thing that people have a tendency to do is bring in partners when they shouldn't. So I had a business partner who's a very nice guy, really, really talented guy, and I, and I wish him well, you know, whatever he's doing right now. But he was, uh, he was a 50% business partner. He shouldn't have been a business partner. He should have been an employee or at least a contractor that I paid. So one mistake that people make is give people equity, ownership, and stake too fast. Don't give anyone any equity that you can't pay as an employee or a contractor. And why I say that is because I had to do that. And I think it was a year or two. That conversation was really hard to say to that business partner, listen, you know what? You're only bringing in 15% of the revenue and you're getting 50% of the business. We need to go our separate ways. And even though I did it as amicably as I could, I lost a friend. That guy doesn't talk to me anymore, right? So, um, you know, there's that relationship gone. So I think that's one of the biggest mistakes, you know, partnering, or you need to understand like what everyone's going to bring to the table. I know sometimes that's not that clear, but for example, you know, say you and I were starting a business, uh, Tony, and we we're going to start a new app. I might be like, look, Tony, dude, I'm the mouth. <laughs> I'm the bullshit artist. So I'll do the talking. I'll do the marketing. You're the tech guy. You develop the software. You develop the programs and HR or something. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to be very clear on what your role is going to be and as equitable as possible. And be open to the idea that if we progress in business and you are not pulling your weight, maybe we need to change this 50-50 strategy. But that's always a lot, uh, a lot harder to do. Um, the other mistake I would make, and I don't think this is only a marketing thing if someone wants to start a marketing agency, is just trying to copy everyone else, being another me too agency. 
So the first thing that someone might do if they want to open a marketing agency is like, okay, what is it? What else is everyone else doing or, or a video agency or whatever it is, right? What is everyone else doing? Let me check out their websites. Okay, they have these packages, these packages, these packages. Okay, awesome. That's what they have on their website. Um, we're going to do that too. And maybe we'll price it a little bit lower, right? Uh, that's not a good strategy because there is only two ways to win in business. Only two ways from what I've read, right? This is not Moby's data. This is empirical data. But that is uh, cost and differentiation, right? Two ways to win in business, cost or differentiation. Cost is trying to have the lowest cost base and you can't do both because if you're trying to be the most cost efficient and effective uh, uh, option in the market, everything is geared to cost, right? So your gear might be cheap, your online systems might be cheap. Everything is geared to cost minimization. When you gear a business to differentiation, so you're different, you offer something different, like maybe online courses or you know like something that no one else is doing you have to gear your business to that so there's a lot of upfront capital investment right do you know what i mean yeah, right, it's yeah. like are you are you going to use like a land cruiser or you're going to use a tesla right they're two very amazing cars but they're built for different tracks right so i think i think that's also another mistake people make they just try to be everyone to everything and just be a me to agency whereas you need to realize there's two ways to play to win cost or differentiation so like on top of that like like is that what mistakes you see new agency owners make or what else is there that new agency owners would make one of my bugbears is and this is probably in a lot of agencies i worked 10 years in marketing before i started an agency yeah 10 right. years there are so many people that i know that they worked they've done one marketing job or two marketing jobs or whatever and now all of a sudden they're an expert yeah like it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine right like how dare you go out there and say you're an expert and ask people for money and be a marketing expert. Like a YouTube guru. Right? Yeah, a YouTube guru or a social media guru or a digital marketing guru, or email marketing guru, or whatever it is. How do you do that? You don't have any right to do that. Now, you, you can do that. You can try, but you're going to, um, you know, people going, the market's going to see. You're going to get small potatoes. You're going to be paid for what you're worth and it's going to take a long path. So... I'm not knocking it completely. I understand the hustle and I respect the hustle. But I'd say like, firstly, you know, your objective shouldn't be to start a business first. It should be get good at your craft. So find someone you respect and admire that you can learn from first. That is your premier objective, not trying to start a business. Well, that comes to my next point, Moby. Like, what advice would you give to anyone out there, right? That's wanting to start their own business. You know, you talk about learning and getting mentorship. Like what advice would you give to people? Before I go deep into that, I feel like I need to address something. I feel like that it's such like a thing, you know, oh, by 25, you need to have your own business, right? Mm. Like we've gone too far. We, we kind of have overcorrected, right? You know, like you have to start a business by this age or that age. And we really triumph and herald business owners and what they do. And I'm not saying not to, but you shouldn't just do that for the sake of it. You know what I mean? Like, first you need to realize, like, do you even want to start a business? Like, do you have a passion? Like, is there something you're going to love? Is there a commercial opportunity? And think about, like, I always say, like, starting, you should, a good business is one where you can sell it for something in the future, right? Mm. There's another type of business as well that's suited to different types of people, like a lifestyle business. Like, if I was a surfie and I just wanted to, like, do surf, give people surf lessons, I yeah. don't, by the way, but I just want a lifestyle business where a bit of money and I love that, right? But that's not... That's not me particularly. So first you need to realize like what's the reason you're doing it and whether you even want to do that because it is lonely. Uh, you 
you need to be aware of your weaknesses and whether you're going to be able to hire those in future. Um, yeah, so I'm not sort of scaring anyone. Obviously, I'm a huge, huge ad advocate. And even at Red Pandas, like we really encourage people having side hustles and that type of thing. But just be mindful that you don't need to. Maybe you want to first learn a passion and learn from someone smarter than you first. And then, you know what? I understand I'm going to put my own angle to it. But in regards to, what, what was your question, by the way? All good, Moby. Um, what advice would you give to anyone that wants to start? Okay. You, you can't answer it, but you're yeah, starting a business. Okay, yeah. advice starting a new business. I think like, you know, and you need to understand that if you're in your 20s and you don't know what you want to do and you don't know your passion, that's okay. That's completely fine. And I say that because I meet young people all the time. Like, look, I want to get into digital. I want to get into marketing. I don't know exactly what I want to do. That's okay. That's fine. If you don't know that, why do you want to try to start your own business, right? So first, like understand an area you're interested in. Uh, try to work with influencers. Try to work with people that you admire, people that you can learn from and grow. And then, you know, after that, understand that you don't have to take the plunge. Like, you know, people will tell me sometimes, oh, you're so, you know, brave that you started your own business. I'm like, no, I'm not. I did it over two years. You know, I had kids, so I had mouths to feed. So I again, like I did four days and I went down to three, two, one, and then, um, sorry, I went down to two and then I, there was a bit of friction. And then I started my own business. So, you know, you can kind of have fun with it. And then at, during that process, you'll realize whether it's fun and uh, whether you want to take that punt. Oh, interesting. Thanks for that, man. That's deep. Um, our next one, my next question, um, you know, I can't know the answer, but like, you know, I just want to hear from you. Is like, why do clients come to, you know, partner with Red Pandas? Like, yeah, so uh, I don't just want to make this a Red Pandas commercial, but like, I think the point is, and I think people can learn from that. We started with one value. We have like six values now, but the first value we started with, which is what was our first value, was service the client's business as if it was your own. You know, and it's important that you have those values and you live those values, and people who come into your organization, you share those values. Um, you know, that's definitely you know what we sort of found for us. And clients don't leave us. Like uh, I might jinx it now, but the last time we had a client leave us was 2020, Jan 2020, and before that, it was like the year before that. So, but I think even above that, um, you know, if you do that, because it depends on who you are, whether you're a one person, three, four, five person, um, you know, you know, your values are really important. But one thing I spoke recently uh, about somewhere was taking care of your people. If you take care of your people and you invest in your people and you invest in what they're interested in and they're learning, their development, if you don't know what they're interested in, you're a bad leader. You know, like a leader's job is to understand how can there be a bilateral transfer of value with me and my team member. And I say team member, not employee, because we work as a team. There needs to be a head that directs the ship. But how will I get a bilateral transfer of value? So, for example, you know, with yourself, like, Tony, we needed your paid media skills. Would that com The company needs that. But it's not enough that we have that. Do you, what, do you get something out of this? Right, like you're looking for work-life balance, you're looking for flexibility, and correct me if I'm wrong. You're looking for you know people you can have fun with and work with and learn and grow those type of things. That's really really important. So investing in your people, investing in uh, training for them as well, which is something we recently you know we realized we weren't doing enough of it because in the past we're like yeah we we believe in training and development. Just let us know what you want to invest in, and we're like no, we have to be a little bit more proactive. Because if you invest in your people, you take care of your people, they will take care of your clients. 100%. And I, I can um, be, uh, I can give proof to that. You know, we're doing a bit of a book club reading. 
also you know you put you pulled us in um a few video you know community what was it video editing um programs and you know courses yeah, yeah. courses yeah so things always are red pandas and like you're right we're having a crack of a time and but we work hard and we deliver and it's a great culture honestly like that's just from my experience um and that, that comes down to it since the day you started maybe to now what were some of the most memorable moments at red panda so I think, I think uh, particularly if you're developing a, I think every business, you have to really enjoy working with people and seeing them grow. Every business, whether you're developing, uh, developing an app or you're a crypto company or a Web3 company or a service company, I think that's very, very important. But particularly in our industry, like if you have a service-based industry, a people-based industry, you know, you, for me, seeing people grow, like seeing them like go, like start to fulfill their potential. Like one of the things that, you know, I'm really, really proud of, like Tasha's worked with me for a really long time. And, you know, at that time, you know, she was starting her marketing career. She had never done a podcast. She had never public spoken or anything, but I could see that fire. I could see that spark. Uh, Mike Tyson's trainer, Customato says, if, you take, if, if I see spark, I'll pour gasoline on it, turn into a raging fire, that type of thing. So when I see someone's passion and I see that they have potential and they're hungry, to see them go from one level to the next level to become a leader in themselves, that honestly, when you say like your biggest accomplishment or what comes to mind, that for me is the biggest thing. And then I think for off the back of that, you know, then seeing our clients grow and seeing the success that they have and being like feeling value. Like this is a great industry. Like don't get it wrong. This is a hard industry. Working in marketing is hard. When there's problems, people come to you. When sales and leads are down, they come to you. When things are going really, really well, sometimes you get credit, sometimes you don't. So it's not an easy industry, right? But it is a very fulfilling industry because we get to make a difference in businesses and the lives of the people that work in those businesses. Yeah, interesting. And yeah, it's right how you say, like, you're always encouraging us to, like, um, you know, like when you, a few months ago, you were telling us to do comedy and try to get our communication skills and stuff. So, you know, to see Tasha grow and you're trying to get encouraged and stuff, like, we see that, especially from, like, a you know, newcomer. So yeah, it's interesting, you know, like it's truth, like you know what you're saying. Um, my probably my last point, maybe as we get going, is during tough times, like you say, you know, we know it's a business. How do you stay inspired? Like what, you know, what is it? Like what's that thing? So there's a huge miss because I put out a lot of content, right? I'm on LinkedIn daily. I'm on TikTok a couple times a week. We put out a lot of content. You know, there's a there's the downside of that is people think that you're always positive and you're always happy and I always have to be that level. That's definitely not the case, right? Like I'm an emotional creature and I always say your strengths are your weaknesses and your weaknesses are your strengths, right? So by that, I mean, I'm emotion, like I'm an emotional guy, but I can go on stage and get people excited. I can use my emotion. I can use my passion. But also at the same time, sometimes you can get emotional about things you should need to get emotional. So life's about sort of minimizing the, the weakness of, a trait that you have and like leveraging and amplifying the strength of that. Um, but in terms of like, you know, how I kind of get through stuff, like last year, for example, midway through last year, I was in a mad slump. I'm like, man, we're just doing the same thing day in, day out, just sort of churning away. And I'm not really, you know, that sort of excited. And there's two thing, bits of advice I would sort of say. One thing that really helped me change my perspective is having what they call bags, big, hairy, audacious goals, right? Having a really big hairy audacious goal you know so you know i started writing my goals every single day i'm running a 
$20 million business. I'm not, but like writing them as if I've achieved them and like having, cause I'm not, you know, people see a lot of my content and they think, oh, you're one of the th pieces of feedback I get is you're so confident, you're so confident. I'm like, I'm actually not that confident. I'm like moderately confident. I suffer from a lot of imposter syndrome. For me, what gets me through stuff is not my confidence, it's the excitement of achieving a goal. That's what pushes me through. So that's one part of it. The second part of it, I would say, is I remember listening to a TED talk and they said, happy people are people who are grateful and they tie their goals to a higher purpose. For whatever reason, like whether you believe in God or human nature or universe, I don't care what you believe in, but maybe we're wired that way. Maybe we're happier when we tie our, our goal to a higher purpose. So for me, it's the ability to become an influencer one day, but to give back to the community. You know, I was very lucky to have a mentor early in my career, but I meet a lot of young people, a lot of older people that have never had a mentor. And I'm like, man, if you just had a mentor, you could have fulfilled your potential. You know, sometimes you need someone to believe in yourself before you can believe in yourself. Mm, interesting. And yeah. I had that and a lot of people don't. And it's a real crying shame. So the ability to do, I don't have time to have a hundred mentees or mm. whatever you want to call it. But if I have a brand, I can give back to people and I can make a difference in their lives. So for me, having tying to a higher purpose and having big, hairy, audacious goals, that is what gets me through those days where I don't feel like working. Interesting, interesting. Well, that's yeah, that's very deep. Yeah, I, I totally believe in that uh, mental, um, you know, and the higher purpose. That makes total sense because you see, most successful people have those two kind of recipes, don't ingredients in their recipe you know, success. So yeah, it's interesting how you and, mentioned. And no that. one has an excuse. Like if you're an executive and you're at a high level, you can pay, you can afford a performance coach, you know, because who do they go to? If you're at the top, if you're, if you're watching this and you're a leader and you're, you're a business owner or whatever, your job is always to motivate and inspire other people. But who does that for you? Mm. Who does that for you, right? You need your human being. So that's why I'm, I, I used to hate coaches like even like six months ago, but I see value in them now because mm. I have, I have people now that, you know, fill that role for me. You can do that. Now, if you're on starting, if you're start of your career, you find people you can work with that you're inspired by. Find people that are smarter than you, that are more motivated than you, hungrier than you, that have learned, that have already done those things that you want to become. Mm. You know what I mean? So either you can work for someone or you can pay someone to, you know, kind of be that, that, uh, prof that professional sage to yeah. kind of get you through your career. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. Um, 100% right on the ball mark. So uh, that wraps it up for this episode about how Moby created such an amazing, you know. Uh, I, I do want to say, because you said you created, right? So it'd be remiss of me to say this, is it's not just me, right? It's definitely not just me. It's a team, right? A village creates, you know, they say like, what, what you know, how do, how do people grow up? Like how, where does a child grow up or thrive? A community raises that child. The same thing for a business. A community raises that business. So obviously, adding Tasha and adding all these people. You need a team of A players. So I appreciate that. And obviously I kicked it off and I'm, you know, still CEO of this company. Moby's defense mechanism. But it, no, but it's a team. It's a team that kind of gets you to that. You can, one person can only take a business to a certain level. You need people who are your weaknesses, who, are, who have your, their strengths are your weaknesses to really continue taking to the next level because, um, yeah, you'll never do it by yourself alone. Interesting. But, like I end this off, you know, Moby, you know, you've been the great leader that's led us along the way this and guy. on this journey <laughs> of red pandas. Absolutely. Stop. 
And yeah, it's amazing that she's seen it. And I hope everyone that's watching and listening enjoys this because it's very, very good, invaluable experience and knowledge and wisdom. And you can learn a lot from it. So I hope you enjoyed it, um, enjoyed it today. And this is for episode 112, um, Inbounds uh, Buzz Podcast. Join us next week as you know, Moby and me talk more about marketing strategies, growth, and all sorts of um, yeah, marketing buzz. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.